The reason why we make a proclamation like that is just to get our hearts ready for the message. Because how many of us know that when it comes to hearing the message and hearing the word of God, so much depends on the condition of your heart. If you would say amen. You could have, you know, a really cold heart and Jesus himself could be on the stage speaking and preaching with authority. And you'll be like, oh, what time's lunch going to be? It's because the condition of our heart matters so much. But on the other hand, if you have a soft heart, you can be listening to even the most boring sermon. And you're going to find that God is speaking to you because your heart is soft and your heart is humble. And God loves to give grace to those who are humble. If you believe that, say amen. 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 Give, your, give, give, give your neighbor a high five and say, I've got an open heart. I've got an open heart. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Well, we're going to go into the word of God this morning. We've been going through a series here at Thrive. It's called Street Cred. Everyone say Street Cred. Street Cred is a series on leadership. It's about becoming the leader you were born to be. Because the absolutely believe here at Thrive is that you were born to be a leader. Is that the reason why Jesus died on the cross for your sins wasn't simply so that you could go to heaven, but that God had plans to use your life and that through a relationship with him that you could make a difference here for all your days on earth. If you believe that, say amen. In fact, we have a way of saying it here at Thrive, and hopefully you've been here uh, you know, to, uh, long enough to know what, how we say it. If you're here for this time, of course, this is the first time for you to hear it. But here at Thrive, we'd like to say, you are, say it with me, you are saved to serve. You are made to make a difference. You are blessed to be a blessing, and you are born to be a leader. Let's try that one more time, because some of you are just, just catching on right now. You are saved to serve. You are made to make a difference. You are blessed to be a blessing, and you are born to be a leader. Turn your name and say, you are born to be a leader. You are born to be a leader. And in fact, we think that here at Thrive, every single person is a leader. It doesn't matter if you have a position or not. It doesn't matter how long you've been a Christian. It doesn't matter what kind of background you come from. Every single person here is a leader because leadership at the end of the day is not a position. It's not a title. It's influence. And if you have influence, and you do, whether it's in your home, in your school, in your workplace, in your church, in your community, then that means that you are a leader. And that's why we're talking about street cred. What is street cred? Well, we've been going through a little definition over the past several weeks of what street cred is. I'm going to show it to you one last time today because we're finishing off our series today, starting something very exciting next week. But street cred is about having a reputation for being tough. Not being tough to deal with, but tough in the way you face difficult circumstances. You don't give up easily. You're resilient. In one is commanding respect from others. When other people look at you, they look up to you. When you, when you are someone with street cred, you're relatable to others. When you're someone with street cred, you've got resources to go through what you're going through with strength and to thrive and to persevere through whatever it is. And I absolutely believe that God made every single person in this place, whether you're here in the sanctuary, you're watching online, or you're you know, in the nursery, is that every single person here is made to be a leader with street cred. If you believe that, say Amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, you look like someone street cred. Can you say that right now? Praise God. And that's why over the past several weeks, we've been looking at what does it take to be a leader with street cred. And we've been looking at all sorts of things that will get in the way of being a street cred leader. We call them street cred killers. You know, we've talked about stuff like selfishness that gets in the way of our leadership. You know, inconsistency. When we don't keep our promises, when we're not consistent, that gets in the way of us being street cred leaders. We talked about fear, how fear can keep us becoming the leaders that God made us to be. We talked 
talked about fizzling out, that, you know, when we give up too soon or when we fizzle out, we're really passionate at the start, but then we kind of fizzle at the end. That puts a lid on our leadership. We talked about, you know, the comparison game where oftentimes when we have this, this, this tendency to place our hope, our value, and our worth on how we compare to others, that that can put a lid on our ability to lead. Last week, we talked about being a team player and how when we are always insisting on doing things ourselves, that can be a lid as well. Today, I've got the one final street cred killer we're going to be talking about in this series, and I'm so excited to give it to you. It could possibly be the most important message in this entire series, and let me tell you why. Is because you can be going through this entire series and applying every lesson we've been learning. You can be someone who's becoming more and more unselfish with your life. You can be someone who's more and more consistent in how you keep up with your promises, how you keep your word. You can be someone who's more courageous. You're overcoming fears in your life. You could be someone who you know, is starting to compare yourself less to others and just starting to embrace the unique makeup and calling that God has given to you. You can have all those things. But if you don't have this last quality, there will always be a limit to your leadership. Your leadership and your ability to influence others will always hit a ceiling. And that's why this last street cred killer and this last message is so very important. I hope you take some really good notes this morning as we get into the word of God, because I'm going to tell you this. Some of the most important things I'm going to share with you are not even on the screen. And so, yeah, you can take pictures. I encourage you to do that. Uh, some like, like to do that on the screen. Uh, but I want to encourage you to take some good notes in your Bible, in your phone, wherever it is, because today we're talking about the street cred killer called foolishness. Foolishness. Today I want to talk about foolishness, or sometimes the Bible calls it folly versus wisdom. Can we look at Proverbs chapter 2? Proverbs chapter 2, it's in the middle of your Bible. If you don't have it on uh, in your Bible, you can look at it off the screen. We're going to look at the first few verses together. Read this in a big, loud voice and help me to preach in this place this morning. What does it say? It says, my son, if you accept my commands or my words and store up my commands within you, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding, and if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, and if you look for it as for silver, and search for it as for hidden treasure. Then you will un- understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom, and from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He holds victory in store for the upright. He's a shield to those whose walk is blameless, for he guards the course of the just and protects the way of his faithful ones. Then you will understand what is right and just and fair, every good path. For wisdom will enter your heart, and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Keep on going. Discretion will protect you and understanding will guard you. Wisdom will save you from the ways of wicked men, from men whose words are perverse, who leave the straight path to walk in dark ways, who delight in doing wrong and rejoice in the perverseness of evil, whose paths are crooked and were devious in their ways. Stop right there. Stop right there. See, today we're talking about the importance of wisdom. Everyone say wisdom. Today we're talking about the importance of being a wise leader. What is wisdom? Could you write this down? Wisdom is the ability to make good decisions with God's help and with God's guidance. See, wisdom is about exercising good judgment. It's about making good life decisions that bring life and blessing to those around you and to your own life, and that also honor God at the same time. It's the ability to enter into any complicated situation 
and sort out the facts, the opinions, the possibilities, the options, and with a wise heart, be able to discern what is the best thing to do in that situation. In a Christian sense, wisdom is the ability to apply the truth of God's word and the principles of God's word to your daily life and the problems that you face. We all need wisdom. What's the opposite of wisdom? The opposite of wisdom is something the Bible calls folly or foolishness. And in fact, that is the street cred killer we're talking about today. It is foolishness. Let me ask you a question this morning. How wise or foolish are you? See, here's the thing. Before I give you a test on what may indicate an answer to that question, I want to tell you this very important clarification. Wisdom and being book smart are not the same thing. See, do, do you know someone who's book smart, but they're actually not very wise? They, they may have university degrees that are of a very high caliber. They may have a lot of knowledge. They may read a lot of books. They may have gone to a lot of places. They may be able to tell you all sorts of stories. They may have, be able to regurgitate all sorts of facts and figures. But when it comes to practical life situations, their judgment is a little poor. Their judgment is a little bit lacking. When it comes to real-life situations, you always kind of wonder, man, why did he get into that relationship? Or, or why did he invest his money that way? Or, man, look at the health of his relationships with the people he's closest to. And it, it kind of causes people to think, man, this guy's got so much going for him. He's so talented. He's so smart. He's got all this education behind him. And yet, what is that person thinking? See, it is possible to be book smart and life dumb. If you believe it, say Amen. See, here's the thing. Wisdom is not just about being smart academically. It's about being someone who looks into practical situations that they face and are able to make wise choices. Being book smart is just about regurgitating facts and figures, quoting different things. But wisdom is about how you live. Look at James chapter 3, verse 13 to 17. Read it with me in a loud voice. One, two, three. It says, who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show it by his good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. Keep on going. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual of the devil. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. What are these verses saying? It's saying that true wisdom shows up in the way that you live. It's, it doesn't say, you know, true wisdom is shown by your IQ score or by your resume or by, you know, your grades or your transcript. But, you know, true wisdom is shown in the way you live. Look at verse 13. What does it say? Verse 13, it says, who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show it by his good life. Not his good grades, but his good life. By deeds done and the humility that comes from wisdom. Wisdom shows up or foolishness shows up in the way that you live and in the fruit that you bear. If you believe that, say Amen. It's stuff like, how do you handle pressure? How do you handle your words? How do you manage your relationships? How do you manage your time? These are all life issues, practical life issues, where wisdom or foolishness tend to show up. Now, here's the thing. Sometimes due to pride, or sometimes because we just don't really know any better, I think a lot of us tend to assume that we're a lot wiser and life smart than we actually are. Don't you find don't you find? And, and see, here's the thing. Very few of us will actually say or believe, yeah, I'm a fool. Yeah, I'm, I'm dumb. Yeah, I, I'm, not, I'm just not very wise. And, and in fact, you know, you often find that the biggest fools don't think they're fools, right? 
is that they, they, they think they're actually pretty smart. And, and see, here's the thing. Just in case you're not really sure where you stand on that spectrum of wisdom and foolishness, let me give you seven clues that may suggest, just maybe, that foolishness is still something that you struggle with. And I'm talking to myself as well. Let me give you seven clues that a person can lack wisdom. All right? You write these down. Number one, I sometimes say things without thinking that end up hurting others or hurting myself. Has that ever happened to you? You just blurt something out without really thinking about it, and all of a sudden someone is hurt, or maybe you actually just shot yourself in the foot by saying it. Proverbs 13, 16, it's not on the, uh, do we have that? We actually do. Proverbs 13, 16 says, wise people think before they act, fools don't. Does that ever happen to you? If, if, you're, if you're the type that sometimes says stuff without thinking, and you end up regretting it, and you end up hurting others or hurting yourself, then that's a clue that you still struggle with something called foolishness. Number two, there are messes or mistakes I could have avoided if I'd just been more careful or more thoughtful. Has that ever happened to you before? When you look back at the course of your life and you think back to some of the biggest mistakes or biggest regrets of your life, have you ever thought to yourself, man, if I was just a little bit more careful, if I'd just been a little bit more vigilant, if I'd just been a little bit more thoughtful, then I wouldn't be in the mess that I'm in today. If that's you, then give yourself a point. Number three, sometimes I find myself getting caught up in things that are less important at the expense of missing much more important things. Has that ever happened to you? Is that, you know, you've got this big, uh, you know, day the, the next day, uh, you know, maybe it's an exam, maybe it's a presentation, or, or maybe you just have a heavy load every day, but then for some reason at 2 a.m. in the morning, for some reason, the most important thing on your mind is to collect as many power moons as you can on Super Mario Odyssey. And you're just like, you're up till 2, 3 a.m., you're like, I, I, got, I got to finish this video game, I got to finish this video game, and, and, and you're, you're so focused on that little thing, and the next day you are wiped out. The next day, you just can't really function, and it's only by God's grace that you have a productive day. I talk, I talk from that from, from experience that's happened to me before. And, and, and here's the thing, is that what, if you struggle that way, then that's another clue that maybe you've allowed some small thing to get in the way of big thing. And that is another clue that we lack wisdom. Number four, when making important decisions, I don't really ask for advice from people more experienced than me. You're more just like, I'll just figure it out myself. You know, you're just like, you know, I, I, I'll just do what I want to do. I don't need anyone else's input. I don't need to talk to anyone else. I don't need Siri. I don't need GPS. I'll, get, I'll find my own way. Number five, when making important decisions, I don't earnestly seek God or consult his word for guidance. I more just rely on how I feel than, how, than on what God says. Is that you? Is that you? Then, well, if that is you, then give yourself a point as well. Number six, there are certain mistakes or bad situations that I find myself getting into over and over again. Is that you? Is that you find for some reason that no matter how old you get, and no matter how many times you go through it, you just keep on going through the same kind of problem. And at, at, at first you start to blame your family, you blame your parents, you blame the environment around you, but at, at the end of the day, hopefully at some point, there's, there's some sort of wisdom that comes to you and realize you realize maybe it's something to do with me. Maybe there's a reason why I keep on dating the wrong kind of person. Maybe there's a reason why I keep on getting fired from my jobs. Maybe there's a reason why you know, I can't seem to make lasting friendships no matter where I go. And, and if that's you, then give yourself a point. Maybe it's one of those things where you're just kind of slow to learn from mistakes. Number seven, last one for today. I'm not really into self-improvement. In other words, I don't really go out of my way to get better or get stronger in the key areas of my life. I don't really care to learn from others. I don't really surround myself with people who are wiser or better than I am in that area that I care about. In fact, when I look at the people that I surround myself with, they're just as foolish as I am. 
If that's you, then give yourself a point. They say that you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. And if the people that you spend the most time with are all as foolish as you are, what does it say about you? See, there's the thing. that Wisdom shows up in the way that we live. In fact, it's not on the PowerPoint, but here Proverbs 13.20 says, He who walks with the wise grows wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. Are you into self-improvement? Or are you like, oh, I'm not really concerned about that. See, the fact is this. All of us struggle with foolishness in one way or another. And if you don't make a concerted effort to avoid foolishness and to seek wisdom intentionally, there are going to be two things that happen. These are the two reasons why foolishness is a street cred killer. Write this down. Number one is a lack of wisdom or foolishness will get you into trouble. Have you ever suffered because of a foolish decision that you made or that someone close to you has made? Maybe you're here today and if you had to be really honest with yourself and your life today, is that there is a problem in your life that is there because you made a foolish decision. Or someone close to you made a foolish decision. And as a result, you are so, somehow kind of sucked into it as well. And you think to yourself, man, if we had just been a little bit more careful, if we'd just been a little bit more you know, vigilant about reading the fine print before we signed, or, or before we, we, we lent that money, or before I decide to date that person or get married to that person, then we wouldn't be in the trouble that we're in today. Right? Has that ever happened to you? See, a lack of wisdom gets us into trouble and it has real consequences for ourselves and for those closest to us. Look at Proverbs 14, 16 with me. Read it in a loud voice. One, two, three, it says, The wise are cautious and avoid danger. Fools plunge ahead with reckless confidence. See, here's the thing, is that you can be wise or foolish. God loves you the same. Amen? is that God's love for you is not dependent on how wise or foolish you are. You could be foolish for the rest of your life, and God would still be a fool for you. He would still love you to the day uh, that, that, that you're no longer here. And he, he loves you because he loves you. It's not based on how wise or foolish you are. But here's the thing. He wants you to be a wise person because foolishness gets us tangled up in all sorts of unnecessary trouble. If you believe that, say amen. Number two is how much wisdom you exercise determines how much street cred you will have. How many of us know that God's love for you doesn't depend on how wise or foolish you are, but your effectiveness as a leader depends on how wise or foolish you are. And, and see, here, here's the thing, is that as a leader in your home, in your workplace, in your company, in your school, on that team that you play on. Every single person here, because you're a leader, you have a certain amount of street cred with the people that you deal with on a regular basis. It's you know how much they rely on you, how much they respect you, how much they look up to you, how much they can depend on you. It's your reputation. And so much of that depends on the wisdom that we exercise. When people see that you made a wise decision, when you deal with a difficult situation in a wise, resourceful, creative, effective way, when you speak to someone with tact, even when they're being a little bit difficult, when you exercise good judgment, guess what? Your street cred goes up. In the, in the eyes of the people who are around you, your street cred goes up. And, and sometimes it goes up big time. And sometimes it just, it just raises up a little bit. But your street cred goes up. On the other hand, when you make a bad decision, when you exercise poor judgment, when you lose your temper in ways that maybe you shouldn't have, you lose street cred. Is that people will still maybe respect you. They, they might even still follow you. They might still trust you, trust you and depend on you in certain ways. But they might just do so a little bit more reluctantly a little bit more hesitantly because it all depends on the wisdom we show. In extreme cases, when we are really, really foolish, it could mean the end of a person's trust in us. And so leadership, 
Your street cred and the wisdom you show, they all go hand in hand. If you believe that, say amen. For example, can you think of a time when there was a leader in your life who, in your eyes, gained street cred because they did something wise? Can you think of someone like that? Or maybe on the other hand, you think of someone who was a leader in your life who did something kind of foolish. And as a result, maybe in the back of your mind, you're thinking they lost a little bit of credibility in your eyes. It's because that's just real life. It's that the way we have street cred with others is very much dependent on the wisdom that we exercise. You know, there's, there's two people I want to bring up today with you today. One's got, one, one, one's got, one, one guy, his name is Solomon. I want to say Solomon. Solomon, he was the king of Israel. And, you know, David was the most famous king of Israel. Solomon comes in succession after him. And he is now in the place of now being this brand new king over this huge nation. And the first thing he's supposed to do, you know what his first order of business is? His first order of business is to settle a dispute between two prostitutes. These two prostitutes have gotten pregnant. Both of them have babies. But then one of the babies dies. And all of a sudden, these two prostitutes are fighting over who is the real mom over that baby. And, and, and so they bring this one baby, both of them, to Solomon. And they say, judge between the two of us who the real mother is. And, and Solomon, this is the first big decision he's ever had to make as king. You know what he says? He thinks about it for a bit. And, and, he, and with, with a lot of wisdom, he says this. Shockingly, he says this. Get a sword and cut the baby in half. And he just says, get a sword, cut the baby in half. They get a sword. And they're just about to cut the baby in half when all of a sudden the two prostitutes begin to talk. One says, no, 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 give the baby to the other one. Give the baby to the other one. Don't, don't, let, this, don't let the baby boy die. Just get, I, I don't care, just give the baby to the other one. The other one's like, let him die. Just let him die so that neither one of us can have him. And, and you know what ends up happening? He says, Solomon goes, okay, let's give the baby to the one who wanted to give him away. To want him to survive. And that was incredible wisdom. In fact, 1 Kings chapter 3 talks about how when all Israel heard about this verdict that the king had given, they were in awe. They were like, man, that was such a wise way to deal with the situation. And as a result, he gained an incredible amount of street cred at the beginning of his reign. If you believe that, say amen. Amen. But then, on the other hand, you have a guy called Rehoboam, Solomon's son, the next generation's king. And in that time, he's, his first order of business as king is he has a request from the people who say, hey, Solomon, your, your father Solomon, he, did, you know, he, he had a lot of demands on us. He worked us really hard. Would you please ease up on us a little bit? And you Rehoboam, he thinks about it. He considers the options. And he's like, hmm, well, how about this? Let me talk to some people about it. He talks to some of Solomon's old advisors, the ones who helped advise Solomon throughout his very somewhat successful reign. And he says to them, what do you do? He says, well, be a servant to these people. Listen to what they say, because if you will serve them, you will have them for life. And you know, Rehoboam's like, nah. He talks to his own friends. He's like, what, what do you guys do? You say, you know what? He's like, you know what? Don't be a pushover. Come on, and you be tough on them. You be even tougher to these kids, th- th- these people than, than, than your dad ever was. And you know what? Rehoboam, he takes that advice from these friends of, who, of his who didn't know any better than he did. And he goes, you know what? He tells the people, ladies and gentlemen, I give him some thought, and this is my verdict. My little finger is thicker than my dad's waist. And so you will be working even harder for me than you ever did for him. And as a result, at the end of that day, 80% of his kingdom was gone. He lost 80% of his kingdom. And it was because the exercised wisdom that he had all, all, all during that time caused him to lose street cred. It's because the lesson there is how much wisdom you exercise determines how much street cred you have. If you believe that, say amen.
It, it, it affects how willing people are to follow you. It affects how willing people are to trust you and to respect your leadership. How do you grow in wisdom then? Are you just either foolish or wise and that's, there's nothing you can do about it? One of my favorite verses in the Bible is Luke chapter 2, verse 52. Could you read it with me in a big loud voice? One, two, three, it says, And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. How many of us know here at Thrive Church, we believe that we are made to become like disciples of Jesus who are like Jesus more and more. Amen? E is for expectant means we're here to grow into Christ-like disciples. And just as Jesus grew in wisdom, we want to grow in wisdom as well. How do you grow in wisdom? Praise God that it is possible to grow in wisdom. How do you do that today? Let me give you a few suggestions on how you can do that. Number one, ask God for wisdom. Ask God. for Turn your give him a high and say, ask God. Ask God for wisdom. Let me ask you a question. When you're facing a difficult situation or you're needing to make an important decision, who do you consult first? Google? Bing? Uh, you know, a friend, a parent? Who do you go to first? See, one of the things I've realized over my lifetime now is that I've made way too many mistakes to think that I can just do things on my own strength or do things based on my own smarts. And that's why nowadays, one of the most important things I do every day is I ask God for wisdom. And you know, I don't know where I would be without asking God for wisdom. I still make mistakes, but praise God that because I've made it a habit of asking God for wisdom, I think it saved me from making bad decisions. I think it's helped me to experience God's power in my life in a way that I didn't before. I think it enables me to have something good to share with you guys Sunday after Sunday. It's because God wants us to ask for wisdom. Amen. And see, it's no wonder that when you read the Bible from cover to cover, you're going to find there is no thing that the Bible tells us to ask for more from God than for wisdom. That's why you you look at the book of Proverbs, and so much of the book of Proverbs is dedicated just to talking about why wisdom is so important. We looked at a little bit of it already, but if you look at the book of Proverbs, chapter after chapter, it's talking about seek wisdom, you know, treasure it. If if it costs you all you have, go for it. It even describes wisdom as this really pretty, beautiful, desirable, amazing girl that you should go for, guys. That's how it describes wisdom as so desirable, something you should lose everything for. That's why Paul, when he started that church in Ephesus, he would write later that church and say, you know, I keep asking the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ to give you a spirit of wisdom so that you can know him better. It's because he understood the value of wisdom. Look at James 1, one of the most important verses for today. Look at James 1, 5 to 8 with you. Read in the big loud voice. 1, 2, 3, it says, If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. But when he asks, he must believe and not doubt, because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That man should not think he will receive anything from the Lord, he is a double-minded man, unstable in all he does. Look at verse 5. Verse 5 says, If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. In other words, when God is deciding whether or not to give you wisdom, he doesn't base it on anything that you do except the condition of your heart. He says, you know what? You want wisdom? I'm so happy to give it to you. And I'm absolutely convinced that there are few prayers that you can pray to God that please God more than when you ask for wisdom. It's one of the most pleasing prayers. If you want to please heaven, if you want to make God smile, one of the most important prayers you could ever pray is to pray for wisdom. 
God, give me wisdom to know how to deal with my wife today. God, give me wisdom to know how to deal with my kids today. God, give me wisdom to know how to deal with that difficult client today. God, give me wisdom to know how to, how to manage my time today. It's one of the most pleasing prayers you can pray. You know, we talked about Solomon. And, you know, Solomon, when he first became king, before he had to settle that dispute between those two prostitutes who were arguing, that the, the, the turning point of his, of his life was where he comes before the presence of God in a land called Gibeon, and he starts to worship God. And in the moment when he's worshiping God, in a dream, he senses God say to him, Solomon, ask for whatever you wish. And that moment Solomon says, well, he says this. I'll just quote it. It's not on the screen, but he says this. He says, your servant is here among the people you've chosen, a great people, too numerous to count or number. So give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong. For who is able to govern this great people of yours? He also says, you know, God, you've made me king in place of my father, but I'm only a little child, and I don't know how to carry out my duties, so give me wisdom. And, you know, in verse 10, it says the Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for this. And not only did God give Solomon a discerning and wise heart, but he said, you know, I'm going to give you wealth and fame as well. It just goes to show that if you want to please God with your prayers, one of the most pleasing things you can pray is to pray for wisdom. Amen. God loves it when you pray for wisdom. And when you pray for wisdom, don't just ask for wisdom generally, but you want to ask God for wisdom in specific situations that you face. Look at 1 Samuel chapter 23. Can you read it with me? 1 Samuel chapter 23. It says in big loud voice, one, two, three, it says, when David was told, look, the Philistines are fighting against Keilah and are looting the threshing floors, he inquired of the Lord, saying, shall I go and attack these Philistines? The Lord answered him, go, attack the Philistines. Stop right there. See, what's going on? David, he's king over Israel, and, and, or he's, he's about to be king over Israel, and, 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 and David, he's now in a situation where he sees he has to make a decision. Should I go or should I not? Should I save the town of Keilah who's under attack or should I not? And what does he do? He doesn't go on Google. He doesn't go on Bing. He doesn't say, hey, okay, guys, what do you think? He goes to God. He inquires of God. He asks God. Everyone say, ask God. It's his first instinct. That's one, of what, that's one of the reasons why David is called a man after God's own heart. It's because his first instinct was to go to God. And so he inquired of the Lord, saying, shall I go and attack these Philistines? The Lord answered him, go and attack the Philistines and save this town called Keilah. But then, David, watch this, David's men said to him, here in Judah, we are afraid. How much more than if we go to Keilah against the Philistine forces? So what happens? He's facing this difficult situation. He prays, should I go, Lord? Should I not? God says, go. So he goes to his men and goes, okay, we're going to go. These men say, no, we're not. We don't want to go. We're already under pressure. Why should we go? And so what does David do? He goes back to God again. He goes back to God and he says, once, everyone say once again. David once again inquires of God. He says, God, okay, this is what's going on. What do you think I should do? What should I do? I ask you right now. And what he does, he asks God. God answers him, go down to Keilah for I'm going to give the land, I'm going to go and give the Philistines into your hand. Keep on going. Keep on going. It says, so David and his men went to Keilah, fought the Philistines, carried off their livestock. He inflicted heavy losses on the Philistines and saved the people of Keilah. That is David. Now, I want you to compare David to this other guy called Saul. In the same story, David is being very wise by asking God for wisdom. Saul, on the other hand, does the opposite. Look at this. Verse 7 says, read it with me in a loud voice. Saul was told that David had gone to Keilah. And he said, God has handed me over to me, handed him over to me, for David has imprisoned himself by entering a town with gates and bars. And Saul called up all his force for battle to go down to Keilah to besiege David and his men. 
and day after day, Saul searched for him, but God did not give David into his hands. Go back a couple verses. See, what's happening is Saul sees that David's in Keilah. Saul sees David as his mortal enemy. And without inquiring of God, without asking for God for wisdom of any sort, he looks at a situation and he just really quickly assumes, God has handed David over to me. Without asking, he just assumes. And he just goes ahead with that plan. And is his plan successful? No. Is he able to find David? No. In fact, the Bible says God did not hand David over to Saul. So obviously, David was the one that God was blessing. Saul was the one that God was missing. And see, here's the thing, is that Saul ended up always making an assumption that so often we make, is that we don't ask God for wisdom. We don't ask God what he wants. We just assume that whatever we want is what God wants. And then when things don't happen the way we want, we work so hard at it, we muster all of our forces, all of our efforts, all of our resources to go in that direction, and it doesn't work out, and then we blame God and go, God, how could you do this to me? And God's like, you never asked me in the first place. See, that's why asking for wisdom is so very important. If you believe that, say amen. And that's why there's a prayer that I pray every day, especially when I'm facing a difficult situation, and you can pray the same prayer as well, is that God... Please give me the right heart and the right understanding about this situation. Maybe I receive a disturbing email. I'll be like, God, please give me the right heart and the right perspective to see the situation. Maybe I have to make a tough decision where there's pros and cons on both sides. I'll be like, God, give me the right heart and the right perspective to see the situation. It's because when you ask God for wisdom, you are saying to God, God, I'm not going to depend on my own smarts or my own intelligence or my own strength, but I need you in this. Please show me what you want me to do so I can make a wise choice. And I can say this, very often after I pray that kind of prayer, sometimes I'll gain an insight right there and then. Sometimes I'll, I'll think of something that I didn't think about before. Sometimes it'll be a few hours later, I'll be running on a treadmill, or I'll be lifting some weights, or I'll be driving in the car, and all of a sudden I'll get a thought that I didn't get before, that I'm like, oh, thank you, Jesus. Because when you ask God for wisdom, he loves to answer that prayer. If you believe that, say amen. You know, at our midweek prayer meeting, uh, you know, which we have every other Wednesday, uh, we have, uh, you know, this thing that we do sometimes where I'll ask the people to spend some time just listening to the Holy Spirit, just listening to the Spirit of God, and to have some time to pray for one another. And, and one of the things that we've been teaching people to do is when you pray for someone, when I'm going to pray for someone, I'm not just going to think of what I'm going to pray for this person about, but I'm going to ask God, God, would you give me wisdom to know what to pray for? And just even a couple days ago, I heard one story from one, one friend of ours who was at this prayer meeting. And, and, and this friend is, 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 is with someone that she doesn't really know very well. And they're sitting together, and they're supposed to pray for one another. And before she prays for this other person whom she doesn't know very well, she starts to just pray to God and say, God, would you give me wisdom? Give me wisdom to know how to pray for this person. And during that time, she now sees this picture this picture that just is really kind of, she's not really sure if this is from God or not, but it's such a random picture. It's a picture that you and I could not make up. It was so specific as well. And, 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 and she's like, you know, that's kind of weird, but she just, she just kind of thought about some other stuff, but the picture would not go away. And so finally, she shared with this person, said, uh, like, uh, she said this person's name, says, hey, um, I, I don't know about this, but I, as I'm praying for you and as I'm asking God, you know, how to pray for you, I, I see this picture. Can I share it with you? She starts to share the picture. And as this girl is sharing this picture with this other girl, this girl's got tears in her eyes. She starts to cry. And she says, you know, I don't know how you could have known this, but, you know, many years ago when I was living in another country and I was going through a very similar situation as I'm in right now, someone else prayed for me and shared that same exact picture with me. Incredible. 
And at that point, it was so encouraging for the person who was praying and the person being prayed for. Because all of a sudden, they could see that God is a God who gives wisdom. Amen. 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 Come on, give God a big, big hand here in this place today. He's a God who works through people like us when we ask him to. And see, something powerful happens when you ask God for wisdom. When you ask God for wisdom, you're humbling yourself before him. When you ask God for wisdom, you're opening the door to say, God, work in my life in ways that only you can. When you ask God for wisdom, it shows you're not depending on yourself, but you're depending on someone who's greater than you. If you believe that, say amen. You know, maybe you're here today and you're needing wisdom in an area of your life or a situation that's weighing on you. Maybe it's regarding your family, your health, health of someone you love, your finances, your future, a friendship. Can I tell you this? The most important thing you can do today is to ask God for wisdom. Don't just rely on your own smarts. Don't just talk to other people, but rely on God. Ask God for wisdom. Turn to him, give him a high five and say, I'm going to ask God for wisdom. Amen. Is this helpful in this place today? Number one. Number two is this. If you want to grow in wisdom, value the advice of godly, experienced people that you respect. Value the advice of godly, experienced people you respect. Let me ask you this question. When, when you made that last important decision you made recently, who did you consult to for advice before you said yes or before you said no or before you gave that answer? You know, besides consulting God, did you consult anyone else? See, I share this story with you guys about once a year partly because as our church grows, there are many people who haven't heard the story before. Partly, it's also a way for me to uh, just remind myself that I got to be humble because someone like me made a mistake like I made. Um, this is the story, is that back in high school and early university, I, I didn't really listen to my parents when it came to stuff like dating and relationships. Didn't listen to my pastors, didn't listen to my teachers. It was basically just, I want to do what I want to do. For example, when I was in grade eight, there was a girl that I really liked uh, and every night I would open up the school yearbook and I'd just look at her picture. I'd be like, ah. And she's this beautiful British girl, and, uh, and, and I was like, oh, she's the one for me. She's like, you know, she's like, you know, uh, she's like Kate Middleton. You're just, oh, she's beautiful. And, 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 and I, I asked my parents, you know, you know, I was like, you know what, can I? This is grade eight. I'm like 13 years old. I'm like, I, I remember I'm, I'm in the car, and, you know, after all these days of, of just obsessing over this girl, I'm finally like, you know what, I can't stand anymore. So I, I told my parents, hey, uh, can I start dating? And they're like, who? They're like, you don't know her. Uh, you're so young. You're 13 years old. And like, no, I want to start dating now. Why can't I start dating now? And they're like, are you sure you're mature enough to start dating now? And I'm like, I'm mature enough. I'm mature enough. Why don't you think I'm mature enough? And, and, and this is the thing, is that finally, they just, uh, because I kept pressing them and pressing them. Finally, you know, my dad was one day like, you want to date? You date! Right? And, and, and he doesn't even talk that way, but it's funny when I say it that way. And, and, and this is the thing, is that, is that he, he's like, yeah, you want to date? Just go ahead and date. No, we're not going to stop you, because I just wouldn't have it any other way. And so, you know, it was one of those things where I, I remember I, I, I was so, I, had, I thought it was so smart. I had it all planned out. You know those choose-your-own-adventure books where you get to, you know, you, you have two choices, and you can, like, if you choose one way, it, it, there's, another, there's one result. If you choose another way, there's another result. I, I had a whole graph. I had a whole chart that charted the whole conversation I was going to have with her. I was like, Emily... How are you? And if she says, good, I'll be, that's great. You want to go for a movie on Friday? And then, and then and I've said, Emily, how are you? And she says, not good. I'll be, oh, that's too bad. Can I go over and comfort you? And, you know, and it was just, I just had all these different the plans. And then finally, I remember I called her on that day, and, and I, I, I rang her up, and it was her mom on the line. She's like, hello. And I'm like, uh, uh, can I speak to Emily, please? And, and, and she's like, uh, just a minute. Emily. 
and you can, you can hear her coming down. She comes down the stairs. I can hear her footsteps. And, then, and, and she, she, she gets on the line. She's like, hello. I'm like, uh, and then all of a sudden, all of my smarts and all of my planning just went out the window. I was just, I, I just could not remember what I was going to say. I was like, oh, uh, 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 hello, uh, Emily, and I was like, uh, movie, and and and, and she's like, what? And I, I was like, oh, do you want to go for a movie? She's like, no, thanks. And she hung up, and 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 that was it. And and it was my it was my first rejection in uh you know in in in, in my adolescent life. Everyone go oh, and that w- that was it. And I didn't try again with her. Okay, I didn't try again with her. And, and and this is the thing is that you know I was so set in my own ways, wasn't concerned about what other people had to say, especially people who I should be looking to for advice. And 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 that just that wasn't just that one isolated moment, but it was over and over and over again. I would simply inform my parents, hey. I'm going to start dating this person. Or, hey, I've made the decision. I wouldn't ask for any advice from anyone. I would just make the decision on my own. But as I grew in my relationship with God, I found this, is that the more I started to depend on my own wisdom to figure things out, the more things would just kind of fall apart. The more things would just not go the way that I planned. The more I would find that, man, it's not nearly as peaceful as I imagined it to be. It's not nearly as fun as I imagined it to be. And as I grew my relationship with God, the more I started to see in the Word of God how much... There is a focus on getting good advice. And, and so, you know, all of a sudden, I started to want to get advice from my parents. This is like, you know, in my early 20s now, where I'm like, you know what? There's this one girl, and she's amazing. Her name is Charlene. And, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and I was like, you know, I really don't want to mess this one up. Because, you know, I can tell you this, is that when I did things by my own wisdom, it was something where it was broken heart after broken heart, regret after regret. And I said, you know, I really don't want to mess this one up. I really don't want to mess this one up. And so for the first time, I really started to think, okay, I need to get good advice. I started to ask my parents, hey, what do you guys think? What should I be looking for? What should I be considering? I started asking my pastor, my pastor of all people. I started to ask him, you know, what do you think about, you know, about Charlene? And what do you think, you know, about, you know, the kind of person I should be looking for? And, 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 and this is the thing, is that they were a lot smarter than I ever thought. They had a lot better advice than I ever thought they would ever give me. And, and it was just one of those things where I realized, man, there's a reason why God's word tells us to seek advice, especially from people who are older or more godly than you. If you believe that, say amen. And, and one of the areas where they and some other mentors in my life really helped me to focus on is don't just go after the external, but look for the person's character. Everyone say character. See, the thing is, most people, when it comes to dating, they're just not really that picky, right? Is that they will check people out without really checking people out. And, and so, you know, girls will usually ask, you know, very simple questions like, oh, does, she make, does he make me laugh? Right? Does he make me feel safe? Is he tall? You know, does he have nice hair? Right? Or if it's like maybe in the 30s or 40s, does he have some hair? Or, you know, <laughs> if, 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 you know in the 60s, 70s, does he have any hair? Right? And, and, and that, that, that's what girls ask. You know? and, and a lot of guys, they'll, they'll ask even stupider questions. They'll be like, uh, what do you look for in a girl? Uh, uh, is she female? Uh, is she hot? Uh, does she have a boyfriend? Uh, is she hot? Uh, does she like hockey? 
uh, is she hot? And, 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 and here's the thing, is that and then, and then, then finally these two girls and guys, they, they get together, and, 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 and at first things are all so sweet, and oh, we have so much in common, we both love bubble tea, or oh, oh we both love traveling, and, 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 but their values are totally different, and as a result, they, the, 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 the relationship doesn't work out, and, and, and they're like, oh, what happened? God, why? And, and how could I marry someone who has such an anger problem? How could I marry someone who's so addicted to porn? How could I you know, marry someone who's so irresponsible with money? How could I marry someone who's got you know, such a bad way of managing their emotions? How, why did I marry someone who's got such a bad way of you know, handling boundaries with the opposite sex? And, and what's, what happened is because you were checking the person out without really checking the person out. Amen is that you weren't asking the most important things. And, and so for me, it was like one of, a number of mentors were like, you know what, don't just look at the external, but look at the character of that person. Because at the end of the day, the foundation of your relationship is not your chemistry, it's not your compatibility, it's your character. And, and so they, they, they all told me something very similar. Different independent mentors in my life would give me the same advice, is write down some of those traits. Have a checklist of some of the basic traits you want in that person. I've shared those, that list with some of you guys before. Is this a basic list of some of the things that you want to make sure that person has before you decide to date them? Do they, do they love God? Are, 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 you know, are they wise? You know, are, do they have a good temper? All these different character traits that were important to me. I started writing them down and writing them down and writing them down. I, I heard someone on TV kind of question that approach this out of the day. They're like, oh, you know what? You got you to understand, you won't find love. Love finds you. Right? But, but see, that's a very Hollywood way to think of it. Because the thing is, this, if you don't stand for anything, you'll fall for anything. Amen? You'll, if you don't stand for anything, you'll fall for anyone. And that's why you want to have just at least a basic criteria of the, of the kind of person that you want to see being with you for the rest of your life. Look at Proverbs 22, verse 17. Can you read it with me loud voice? It says, pay attention and listen to the sayings of the wise. Apply your heart to what I teach. Look at the next one. It says, Proverbs 15, 31. It says, he who listens to a life-giving rebuke will be at home among the wise. Last one. It says, Proverbs 19, 20. Get all the advice and instruction you can so you will be wise the rest of of your life. Here's a question for today. What is one question that you're dealing with right now in your life? Maybe it has to do with relationships. Maybe it has to do with your finances. Maybe it has to do with your future. Maybe it has to do with your relationship with God. Maybe it has to do with some other very important area of your life. And my question for you is this, is are you seeking out advice, good advice, not just from anybody and everybody, but you, sit, you seek out the, the advice of godly people you respect, who have experience in that area. That is a part of wisdom. Amen. Amen. It's about seeking good advice. Is this helpful in this place? Turn to me and say, seek good advice. Seek good advice. Praise God. Number three, learn to number your days. Learn to number your days. Look at Psalm 90, verse 12. Can you read it with me in a loud voice? What does it say? It says, teach us to number our days aright that we may gain a heart of wisdom. What does it mean to number your days? You know, before when I read this verse, I'm like, I don't, I, I, what does that mean? Shouldn't it be the other way around? God, teach us to have a heart of wisdom so we can know how to number our days. No, it's, it's actually the opposite. It's, teach, me, uh, teach us to number our days a right that we may gain a heart of wisdom. What does that mean? Let me really quickly tell you what to number your days means. Write this down. To number your days means to realize how brief and fleeting life really is. See, when you number your days, the Bible says, you can then be on your way to gaining a heart of wisdom. See, how many of us know this? Is that when you think you've got all the time in the world, it affects the way that you live. 
It affects the way that you operate. You're not in any rush. There's no urgency to do anything in particular because you think, I've got all the time in the world. But when you know that your time is limited, when you number your days, when you realize how brief and fleeting life can be, you start to live your life a bit more intentionally. You start to live your life with a bit more urgency. You start to not want to waste your time as much anymore. If you believe that, say amen. That's one, that's one of the reasons why it says number your days. Another, what, what does it mean to number your days? To number your days also means to treasure your time on earth. To treasure your time on earth. You know, um, when Charlene's brother, uh, Daniel, passed away, uh, you know, it was something that shocked our family. It was one that devastated our family. I don't know if it were not for the hope we have in Jesus, where our family would be. But there's one, something that really was so noticeable in our family dynamic before and after Dan passed away. Is that before Dan passed away, we're kind of like any sort of typical Asian family where we show love to another, not by saying it, but, but you know, it's, very, it's always very indirect. And I found this, is that after Dan passed away, when I'd hear Charlene on the phone with her parents, they would always end with, I love you, love you, I love you. You know why? It's because they realize life is short. They started to number their days. We started to number our days. It meant that we started to realize, you know what? Life is fleeting and brief, so we want to treasure every day that we have. If you believe that, say amen. Amen. You know, I plan on living a very long time. I, I plan to live to 100 if I can. Uh, I know I don't have all that control over that, but, you know, I plan on living a long time. And, and you know, I, I believe my, my son, Bradley, our first son, Bradley, he's, he's going lo- to live even longer than I have, but, uh, and I will, but... But here's the thing, is that, you know, especially a few years ago, there, there was that part of me that really was like, you know, I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. And, and so as a way to number my days, um, to number our days, to treasure the time we have on earth, what I would do is, starting from a few years ago, every day I would take a selfie with my son. Every day. And, and every day. It doesn't, matter if it's, uh, it doesn't matter if I've got any makeup on, which I usually don't. It doesn't matter if he's all dressed up, because, you know, he's not always. You know, and and, and, and we, I would just, before I leave for work, Take, take a selfie. Before I send him off to school, we take a selfie. Uh, and it was just, it's just a little way to just treasure every day together. And so in, in, if you look in my phone, there are hundreds of selfies in my phone. That's part of the reason why I'm so good at t- taking selfies. It, it's because, you know, it's, it's just you know, taking that photo every day, every day, every day. There's another thing that Charlene and I did is we created this account for him, this email account, where this is before he was able to read, is that, you know, what if something were to happen to us one day? We, we just wanted to kind of fill that email account with, with as many messages as we could to let him know that, how we feel about him. And, you know, whenever there's a good thing that happens, and maybe he'll be too old to remember this, so and so we, we kind of send him pictures and all that stuff. And it's just a way for us to treasure the time together. Because when you number your days, you start to gain a heart of wisdom. Amen. Another one is to number your days means to understand the purpose of the current season that you're in. See, Jesus was awesome at that. Other people will be, oh, Jesus, why don't, you go to, why don't you go to Jerusalem now? Any famous person, anyone who wants to become a public figure should go to Jerusalem. Why don't you do that now? And Jesus, he was, all, he, he was famous for saying things like, you know what? The time is not right. The time is not now. For you guys, any time is okay. For me, my time has not yet come. And he said that over and over in different situations. Why? It's because Jesus had an understanding that every season he had, that he was in had a special purpose. And, and, and that's part of what it means to number your days. It's one of the reasons why Jesus lived the most effective and the wisest life of any person who ever lived is because he understood the purpose of the current season you're in. Do you, know the, 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 do you know the purpose of the season that you're in right now? 
you know the purpose of the season that you're in right now? Every one of you, you are in a certain season of life. Maybe you've just gotten married. There's a, there's a purpose for this current season of your life. Maybe it's just to get to know one another better, to learn to, to be a better wife or a better husband to that person. To, 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 maybe you're going through a, a, a season where things are especially difficult. There's a purpose for that season. And when you can understand the purpose of that season, you gain a heart of wisdom. Because when, when you number your days, you're on your way to growing in wisdom. If you believe that, say amen. Amen. Turn your neighbor and say, number your days. Number your days. Praise God. Last thing we're going to close. Last thing we're going to close. If you want to grow in wisdom, the last thing I want to tell you today is build your life on the word of God. Build your life on the word of God. See, God wants you to grow in wisdom. He wants you to grow in wisdom. And to help you grow in wisdom, he gives you his word. Almost kind of like that email account that we've set up for Bradley is that, you know, we want him to know who we are, you know, maybe aspects of us that maybe he has a tougher time understanding now that hopefully he'll understand later down the road. And we want to give that to him so he's got that in written form that he can look at in the very same way. You know what? You have something like that from your Heavenly Father. It's called the Word of God. It's called the Bible. And if you will build your life on the Word of God, it will produce wisdom in your life. Look at Matthew chapter 7, 24 to 27 with me. Read in a loud, loud voice. One, two, three, it says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell with a great crash. What's the lesson Jesus is teaching us through this parable? Is that when you build your life on God's word, then when you go through storms in life, you will not be easily shaken. See, when you build your life on God's word, it is the wisest thing you could possibly do. This past week, we lost two pop culture icons the world did, both of them who committed suicide, but in a very similar way. There was one who was the fashion designer, Kate Spade, there's the other one who's the, the very famous chef and CNN journalist called Anthony Bourdain. And, you know, people were shocked. Their closest friends and family were shocked. In fact, the, Anthony Bourdain's mom, Gladys, she was telling the New York Times, she said, he said, she, she, she said about her son, he is absolutely the last person in the world I would have ever dreamed would do something like this. He had everything. Success beyond his wildest dreams. Money beyond his wildest dreams. But see, here's the thing. Anthony Bourdain, one thing he did not have is he didn't have a relationship with God. He was, he was an outright atheist. And, and this is the thing. It just goes to show you can have fame, money, success in the eyes of the world, talent, amazing talent, smarts. But with, when, when you don't have God, you don't have hope. When you don't have Jesus in your life, there's going to be this emptiness in your heart that nothing else the world that, that, that nothing else in the world can fill. It's a God-sized hole that only God can fill. And you know, for myself, you know, the biggest turning point in my life when it came to growing in wisdom was when I started to read this thing called my Bible, and I started to try in little ways to apply what it says. And and you know what? I still don't get it nearly anywhere near perfect. But I do find this, is that the more I study the word of God, the more I apply the word of God to my life, the more I, you know, do stuff like I, I, I realize, yeah, you know, God, you're the one who fills the God-sized hole in my heart, and I look to you first. I seek your kingdom first, 
and, 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 and you'll add everything I need. Now look here, it says, you know, do, you know, whatever you do, do it, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of Lord Jesus. In other words, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to live my life to give God glory. That's the reason why I live. You know, when, when it says, don't, don't worry about tomorrow, because tomorrow will worry about itself. I'll be, okay, I'm not going to worry about tomorrow. God's going to take care of me. When I see this, it says in Romans, you know, you know, like in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. I can go through a tough time and go, God, you are still writing a greater story. You know, you know when, 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 I'm, when I'm here, you know, I, I'm seeing stuff like, oh, be faithful in the little things, and greater things will be given to you. I'll try that. And I'm like, wow, that actually works. It's like the more I build my life and apply the word of God in my life, the more I see the wisdom of the word of God. And somehow, somehow, the more I grow in wisdom as well. If you believe that, say amen. I look here, it says, you know, set healthy boundaries through your life and through your relationships. I'll be, okay, I'm going to try that. I look here, it says, you know, tithe. Give God your first, the first portion of your wealth, and he'll add everything you need. I'll try that. It works. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll have here stuff like, you know, the most important thing you can do is love. Do everything in love. The greatest of these is love. And I'll be, okay, I'm going to live my life to love. And, and when I do that, it provides a foundation for my life that the world cannot give. And what you find is when you do that, you become a wiser person you become a more blessed person. The Bible says, don't be wise in your own eyes, but fear the Lord. Elsewhere, it says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. In other words, when you trust in God's promises, when you build your life on God's word, when you make your number one goal to have a close relationship with Jesus and to honor him with your life, all of a sudden, you don't look at life the same way anymore. All of a sudden, you have a wisdom that surpasses those around you. All of a sudden, you can look at your problems and say, there's opportunities here. All of a sudden, you can look at a hopeless situation and say, with Jesus, the best is yet to come. If you believe that, say amen. amen. Look at Psalm 119, it's our last verse for today. It says, oh, how I love your law. I meditate on it all day long. Your commands make me wiser than my enemies, for they are ever with me. Last question for you today. How much are you building your life on God's word? Or do you come to church and you go, oh, that's nice, that's interesting, and you go off and you do your own thing? If you want to grow in wisdom and experience the blessing that comes from having God in your life, having Jesus in your life, it's about building your life on the word of God. That brings our Street Cred series to a close. And uh, we've been covering seven essential traits of leadership, unselfishness, Consistency, courage, longevity, security, being a team player, and wisdom. And as we end off today, the question I have to ask you is this. Of all these traits, which are the traits that God is especially highlighting for you today? I'm going to ask you to think about that as we rise to our feet. I'm going to ask our team to come and lead us in a song. I'm going to ask us to get ready to respond to God. Have you learned something from the message this morning? Can you give God a big hand, a big shout in this place? The God of wisdom, the God of revelation. Come on, give God a big hand, a big shout in this place together. Can we do that together right now? Can you turn to your neighbor and give him a high five and say, I want to grow in wisdom. I want to grow in wisdom. I want to grow in wisdom. Let's sing this song together. Let's have a question to ask you here in this place today. As you've been listening to the messages this morning, Maybe you're here in this place and you realize that you really need wisdom. Not just any person's wisdom, but you need wisdom from God about life generally and maybe about a specific situation that you're facing today. And if you're here today and you realize how much you need God's wisdom and you want to ask God for that wisdom, then I'm going to invite you to do that today. Don't wait till tomorrow. 
Don't wait till, you know, when you really, really need it, you think. We need it right now. And so if you need wisdom today, if you need wisdom to face whatever situation you're facing, to help you make that decision that you have to make, would you just raise your hand on the count of three and just let the height of your hands reflect how much you want God's wisdom for your life, how much you want God to fill you with the wisdom you need to make the best decision for you, for your family, for your future, for your finances, whatever situation it is that is you know, on your heart today. Would you just lift your hands to heaven right now? Would you just lift your hands count of one, two, three, and just start talking to God today. Just start talking to God and saying, God, I need wisdom. I need your wisdom. Would you please give me wisdom? Make me a wise person. Wisdom from heaven. Would you start talking to God right now? Don't worry about what your neighbors do. You start talking to God today. Start talking to God today. Start talking to God today. Maybe it's about wisdom for your relationships. Wisdom for your family. Wisdom for your career. Wisdom for your ministry. Just ask God for wisdom today. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Praise you, Father. Would you pray this with me right now? Say, Heavenly Father, today I'm just starting to realize how much I need wisdom. And so today I ask you for wisdom. Please give me the right heart and the right perspective to face the situation that I'm in today. Give me the right heart and the right perspective to make the best decisions, to honor you with my life, to do things the way you do things. Help me to seek right advice. Help me to number my days to cherish the time I have. Help me to build my life on your word. I need your wisdom. God, please give me wisdom. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. We give Jesus a big hand, a big shout in this place together right now. Amen. Amen. One more thing. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you've never received Jesus Christ into your life, if you've never received Jesus Christ in your life, maybe you've been to church before, but you've never opened up your heart to Jesus, you never said, Jesus, come into my life, then can I tell you that according to God's word, the wisest thing you could possibly do is to open up your heart to Jesus. It's the wisest thing you could possibly do. We can't forgive our own sins. We can't cleanse ourselves of sin. But that's why Jesus came. He came to die on the cross to forgive you of your sins. And he rose again to show you could take what he says seriously that he is the wisdom of God for our lives. And if you want to receive Jesus Christ into your life, it's as simple as praying a prayer. And if you just pray this prayer after me, if you pray this prayer before, why don't you pray it in support of those who are praying for the first time. If you want to receive Jesus into your life, can you just raise your hand today and just pray this prayer together with us right now. You can say, Heavenly Father, I need you and I welcome you. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross to forgive me of all my sins how he rose again to give me life Jesus I receive you into my life be my savior and be my king thank you because of you I can say the best is yet to come in Jesus name I pray amen would you give Jesus a big hand big shout in this place together